Welcome to episode 57 of the Grassroots Live podcast with me, your host, Harry Purdy. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome onto today's show former Torquay United footballer and current Weymouth footballer, Matty Buse. How's it going, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Um, how are you? Yeah, yeah, all good, mate. Are you looking forward to your experience on the Grassroots Live podcast? I am. I've heard a couple, so um, yeah, it's nice to be on. Yeah, amazing. I'm glad. I'm glad you. I'm glad to hear that, mate. Um, so currently out of season, what's mm-hmm. going on in the daily life of Matt Buse at the moment? So, uh, yeah, the season finished a couple of weeks ago. So, um, had a had a couple of weeks off, and then um, yeah, just been going to the gym and just doing a few bits that um, I couldn't do during the season. Really, just spend a bit of time with like, friends and family and stuff. Amazing. Um, Matty, I asked this question at the start of every podcast when it comes to sports and football who was Matthew Buse at a grassroots level all the way back in time Ooh. I'd say I was just someone that that just enjoyed it you know as you grow up um you get thrown into it and my family well, my dad dad played sport and played football so um yeah you just you just enjoy it and I've done a little bit of everything and then I, I just took to football what was the um first like real memories of you really enjoying a moment of like whether it be football or just sport in general was there like a moment where you can remember do you know what this this is really enjoyable this is something that I've really taken to probably earliest memories was just just playing for like football in the garden and just just out the front that was um probably probably my earliest memories and when you really start to uh, like enjoy playing but um, probably one of my earliest memories of, of watching football was the was the World Cup um, in 2002. And I don't know why, because I don't really remember many of like much of the games or anything. But it, I think it was in Korea, and I remember having time off school and that in the morning and watching it. And that was probably when I you begin to like love the game really. Yeah, hundred percent. Was that the um, Ronaldinho Seaman? Yeah, I think it was. It was that. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I was only. I was really young, but you just remember little bits of it. And I guess you're just taking things that are going on around, um, on around you. Yeah, that's mad. I'm obviously a bit older than you. And I obviously remember that World Cup, but not to an extent where um, I remember a lot of it. So for you, you must literally remember real, real I small snippets. remember nothing. Yeah, just snippets of it. And like, yeah, but I suppose that the little bits, aren't you? That you remember? Because I don't remember what I was doing as a kid, but you just remember like little bits and... So yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about um when you were growing up then? Was there anybody that you kind of like took to as an idol straight away in regards to a sporting hero? Probably it's a bit cliche, but I'd say my dad. Like he was someone that I was around all the time, someone that I always always like played with and um I was always playing football with him at the front and like in the garden he was taking me to the park and stuff. But probably on a um a football level it was probably Beckham. He was on the icon one he back back then, so he was always on TV and stuff. So so yeah, probably yeah. Yeah, I like to um like pick up on when people mention members of the family or parents as good influences and role models. What was it specifically about your dad that like you kind of looked up to the most? I know obviously he's a real sporty sporting person himself isn't he so yeah. I take it like what what you saw you wanted to not necessarily become but you kind of like took the influence from maybe yeah I guess you just you're around it um 
he enjoyed football he played so I watched a little bit of him when he was um when I was younger um and then naturally he he'd have the football on or we'd go to the park and play football so then you just you're always around him and then because he he was influenced by I guess he's your first hand he's the closest person to you so so yeah you spend a lot of time around that yeah definitely and then in regards to your development Matty, where did you start? Like, when was the first football club that you got fully involved with and you remember playing competitive fixtures for? So my first team was um, was Penn Mill. And we had a team called Penn Mill Pilgrims. Um, and I think I must have been seven or eight. Um, so you just, like, under sevens, under eights, on the, on the like, small side of pitches and stuff and doing all the tournaments and, and all of that. So that was my first, like, taste of, like, competitive football as it was then obviously it's only kids football but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when it first become like really competitive and it means the world to you done it every every game yeah yeah definitely and then I mean your I guess your scenario is slightly different to some of the other pros that I've had on to the podcast in regards to how you got into the professional game because you've definitely had like highs and lows let's say but obviously we'll come on yeah. to that into in in the um in the next realms of the podcast but when it came to like school college when did you start to realize that you were kind of a little bit better or a little bit like more more physically better than the other other lads around you and when was the first time that you kind of made it into a standard above maybe your mates or started doing things a little bit different to other people uh, probably when I was younger, initially I was probably ahead of people. Um, as a kid growing up, I was probably above a lot of my, a lot of my friends and people I played with. There was a lot of good players, but I felt that I was probably above what they were. And then, um, obviously, diff- different um, people like mature differently. And then it was probably when I got to probably a little bit later, like seventeen, eighteen, was when I really thought, you know. I've probably outgrown the levels that I was playing with and then I, I started doing well. Um, and that's when I thought, yeah, I've got a, a chance to move on. So how did it happen for you? Like what age group were you where somebody said something to your dad? Because I guess you got scouted somewhere along the lines. Or yeah, so... was it at school or was it at college that somebody said, you know what, Matty needs to go to some trials here? Or was it, did you ever get linked with the Yeovil Academy? Yes. So initially... Um, when I was nine or ten, the Oval Academy was, or well, set of excellence as what it was then was, was beginning. So I was in the initial, the first, like teams that were set up. There was an under tens and under twelves, I think, and I was an under nine, but I played with the under tens. Um, so that was my first taste of it, and then I stayed there until thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, I think, and then, then it folded. But um, yeah. so that was when. I was around it from then, but Yeovil's academy was a little bit up and down and um, all over the place at times. What were your first memories of like going into that centre of excellence then? Like, do you, did you kind of, even though you were under nine, did you kind of feel that it was a little bit different to going down to Johnson Park at Penmill and yeah. getting the kit on there? Yeah, it was ahead of it because um, all of a sudden where it's not like it is now, they're not getting put in players from like, all around the area, but it was, I wasn't just playing with my mates, I was playing with players from, we'll say Taunton, um, like Bristol, like further afield. So obviously the the standard went up, but um, yeah, first memories, because probably we went on a, um, 
on a tour to Liverpool. Um, so I'd have only been like, yeah, nine or ten, but we we went and played at Liverpool Everton, and um, wow. and that was like, yeah, this is this is a bit more like it really. From playing for Pen Mill to that was was yeah, a bit of a step. Do you feel? Did you feel pressure as a nine-year-old? I always find it interesting because we all know now the expectations of going into an academy, like a genuine academy and being a nine-year-old and you're kind of, your parents have got to put pen to paper for you, haven't they, to sign for whoever yeah. it may be, those big academies. And I know, look, like, let's be real about this. And I mean, no disrespect to Yeovil Town, but at the time, Yeovil Town Centre of Excellence was never at that level of like a Chelsea or an Arsenal or a Man City now. But obviously, as a kid, you're watching TV, you're watching all these professionals. Clearly, like when you love football growing up, everybody wants to be a pro. So do you think when you go in, you obviously put a yoga kit on, how does it, does it make you, does it make your shoulders start, like stand back a bit more? Do you kind of think, well, like I'm going to have to perform really well as a nine-year-old or did you just do it for the enjoyment back then? Probably as a, at that age, I was just still in the mode of just, just loving football. Um, Obviously, there's a little bit more of an element of expectation that you need to perform, but um, yeah, I was still in that that mentality of I'm just just loving it, and um, you play to enjoy, and I enjoyed every game and every training session, and um, yeah, so I didn't feel that much pressure. And obviously, my, my dad was around football anyway, so he kind of tried to keep. I didn't. They didn't put no one put really any that much pressure on me. So um, yeah, I was just left to like go and enjoy it really. Yeah, that's good. Like, I mean. It's hard, isn't it? And I know every individual's different. And of course, like parental influence is massive when it comes to things like that, because like we've seen situations, haven't we? Like even like locally, you can think of examples where people kind of grow up expecting their kid to be the next best thing when actually the chances of it happening are like, I think the stat is ridiculous. And it's definitely been mentioned on this podcast before with other pros. Maybe even in academy football, it's one in 60,000 maybe. Actually, yeah, I don't know. I know it's, it's a, some weird figures. Yeah, it's very yeah. Um, So it's actually must have been real nice, like growing up, thinking back and looking back at it now that your dad and your like family never really put any pressure on you. Yeah, no, it's um, probably helps to be fair because you see it around the academies and stuff. And my brother was in an academy and some of the pressure that the kids get put on them is, is quite intense. And the expect, expectation for them to perform like every session and training, which is obviously is expected, but there's an element of enjoyment taken away um at times yeah and again like every individual is different right so some young young footballer would react really well to f- being under pressure and feeling like every pass has got to be pinged to feet every time but others even though they may have the talent when it comes to pressure they crumble and i guess that's when they find out whether they're made for made for it or not yeah i think that's when people then you find your level. There's some really talented players um, about, but I suppose, yeah, so like a lot of people you've probably had on here, football's so much about your mentality and, and how you handle certain situations. So, um, so, yeah. What do you think really cuts a footballer then from what you've seen, like in your experiences from like Taunton Town back when you made your senior yeah. debuts, I guess, all the, way to, all the way through to Torquay and Weymouth now? A lot of it is mentality and it's probably being able to, to handle setbacks and, and knockbacks and getting told you, you're not going to be good enough or you're not going to be this and not going to be that and being able to, to deal with that. And you come across so many different, 
different people with different backgrounds. So yeah, I'd say mindset's probably the what cuts to the top from the bottom um, from my um, experiences. Have you come across players in your in your career so far where they have talent that probably is above the level of them, but they just don't have the like not I guess the word is mindset or like the mentality to demonstrate that on the football pitch when the manager's putting them under a bit of pressure you know that that player is going to just like cut hide away in the corner obviously I don't need you to mention names but can you think of examples where you've been like fucking hell he's he's not gonna he's not gonna cut it today <laughs> yeah probably there's there is I've played across a lot of players where you think oh he why is he playing at this level when he should be playing like a lot higher but um yeah there's probably certain players that make Form better and under under less pressure and and like you said that's why the, the top players at the top level because they can perform to their their absolute maximum in front of hundred thousand people so, so yeah amazing so moving away from uh, the oval center of excellence and you said it folded so what was your next moves from there as a, a player Matty? so I was uh, about fifteen when it folded and then I went into under 18 football. So I went to child under 18s um, with someone called Hung and um, and yeah, that's when I started. I went, yes, yeah, so I went into under 18 football at child and, and yeah, that was my next step really. What um what were the expectations like there? What was the differences between the centre of excellence and going into under 18s football at child? Because obviously we know child have got a good reputation locally. I know a lot of good players that have like gone through there. I'm pretty sure Jordan's story uh, made some appearances for Chard in his developmental days. So what was yeah. it like for you as an under-18 footballer out at Chard on that pitch? <laughs> yeah, it was the hill. So I played, that was the same team as Jordan. I was in the same under-18s as Jordan. Um, so we played together, but like you said, it was a little bit, from going from Yeovil to that, there was a obviously a drop-in drop in standard, but... It was competitive. I was playing in something called the Floodlight League, which was a play Tuesday, Wednesday nights. We played against like Western Supermare, um, I think Bath, like Bridgewater. So we just played like the localish teams um, and it was competitive, which is I think one of the, well, football is the competitive game. So it was nice to play three points every every week. Yeah, yeah. Did, do you have good memories of that under 18s league? Because I know... Um... Voisey, Lewis Voisey was a, he, he was like, he speaks so high, highly of that under 18s league. I'm pretty sure when he played out at Sherbourne in that under 18s league under the lights, he said it was real good fun, like traveling midweek to different places, obviously on coaches with like all of the lads. Was it good memories for you as well? Yeah, I enjoyed it. And um, we had a good group. So we had um, obviously George, we had a lad called uh, Louis Irwin, Aaron White. Um, that's what I was close with and a, a few others. And um, yeah, it was a good experience. And we went to all these different places and that, and we were charged. We were the smallest like team in there with the the lowest ranked club or whatever. And um, we had a good size and that was really enjoyable. Yeah, amazing. So from under 18s football, you must have impressed. And then an opportunity arose at Taunton Town for you. How did that come about, Matt? Yeah, so... Um, I actually did a year at Weymouth before. So I went to Weymouth for a season, um, didn't play like loads. I was really young. And then um, I got a phone call from the Tottenham manager, 
um, Lee Robinson just asking me to um, what my plans were for the season. And I said, look, um, I'll come and play for you. And it was a ch- he, he said, I'll come in and I'll play. And and I did. And, and yeah, that was probably the best decision I made to go and play football. And then, yeah, I really kicked on. Yeah. So when you say you really kicked on then, like from a personal level, but how would you, how would you say that you kicked on at that point? Um, to be fair, I probably physically matured. I was probably at an age where I needed to go and play play men's games, um, and it was it was summer league, so it was a it was a physical league, and um, yeah, and then you just adapt to it. every game. I felt I was getting better, and you start to influence the game more. So, so yeah, that's probably the the um, best decision I made. Yeah, amazing. And would you say that, like, at that level in the Southern Leagues and even up to Vanarama South and obviously North and then the Vanarama National, is there, like, an element of having to be real physical within your game in, in those leagues? Yeah, I think there is. Um, because I I missed out on the, the under-18 kind of academy football and I went straight into that because, obviously, I played under-18 at Chard, but I was... Um, probably under and under 18. I was only 15, 16, 17. Um, so yeah, going straight into that was was a, was a step up because all of a sudden you're playing with men. Men have played at that level for a long time and um, players are earning money and they have to perform for like, the clubs to get rid of them. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when you watch academy, uh, like, academy experienced young players obviously the way of playing now is play from the back keeper rolls out to the center backs center backs knock it out to the full backs or into the holding midfielder and then they play from there right try and yeah. try and get the forwards in into the game from playing from the back obviously i'm sure there was an element of that at chard and like maybe you were encouraged to play football at yeovil but without that academy experience and just being chucked into the deep end within men's football at Weymouth originally. And I'm sure like playing at Weymouth for that season, even training with men would have like kicked you on a little bit and almost mm. got you used to what was to come at Taunton. Mm. Going in without that mentality of, oh, I should be playing from the back. I should be having the ball to feet. I should be trusting my touch, blah, blah, blah. Going into it without that. Do you think it probably helped in some respects? Yeah, because... Um... You probably you learn quickly um, of what what you can and can't do. Uh, obviously, the pitches aren't as good at, as they are at academy levels, and um, when you see players get get robbed and that, and then the other teams on the attack that that at that level, like that, you get you, they'll let you know, like they'll tell you. Um, so you, you grow up quickly, and um, obviously, technically, because I went kind of through a, a system. Um, it was the other side of the game that I probably developed the best at that tournament. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. And then in regards to like those lessons, and you say that people would tell you that you'd you'd done wrong, like how many how many attempts do they give you before they literally get in your ear? Is it literally the first mistake you make, they're on you, or is it they're like, Do you know what? We'll let him off with that one, but if he does it again, <laughs> he's getting it. To be fair, it was um it was a good group of Taunton, but um like you say, once you're once you're in a team, you're treated treated no differently. Just because I was a lot younger than everyone, it was you treat the same, which is is good. And I, I don't think it should be any different. I don't think you should have any lenience because you're only 17, 18. I think 
um, it's important that they get into and they they tell you if you've if you've done well, but also if you've if you haven't done so well. Yeah, yeah, defo. So you um, again, you mentioned Matty. You find out what you're you can and can't do. Is that from a like level of personal? So like for example, you you know you find out that actually you're pretty good at like taking a man on 1v1, for example, or you're good at 1v1 defending or all those sorts of things. How quickly do you learn those lessons in regards to those individual traits that you pick up on in, in games? I think it's just you learn you learn the game more of experience. And a lot, everyone will tell you that the more games you play, the more you understand your your own qualities and your own um, the, the things things you're best at. But also you learn what what you shouldn't do and what you can't do. And you see players you may not be able to dabble on the ball as much at, in certain places as because you might get pressed quicker at, um, at, at, in different situations. So I think you just learn with experience all the all the little bits that you 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 can't put the practice in training or anything. I'm going to put you on the spot. What what are your traits that you would say that you can rely on if you're having not a bad game, but if you're having one of those games that it's pretty even and you've got to go not within your shell, but You've got to express what Matty Buse can do. Does he want to get on the ball and play it? Or is he more of a ball-winning centre midfielder? Um, I like to think that I'd always get on the ball and stuff, but personally, I'm a, I'm a good athlete and I'd, um, I'd, I'm pretty mobile around the pitch. So, um, see so ya. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're you're uh, you're so modest, mate. That's what I love about you. Like even when we chat in the gym, you you don't want to be too big, not big time. That's like a shit way of putting it. But you don't want to be too out there about the fact that you do play pro football. And I think that's such a good trait to have. And it's clearly like one of the reasons why you've got so like so far in the game so far. And what are you, 24 currently? Yeah, 24. Yeah. So like, yeah, the 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 who knows where you'll end up. So you played at Taunton. Yeah. Am I? I've done. If I've done my research correctly, I can edit this bit out. If not, so it's all good. You had yeah. a decent FA Cup run uh, in your time yeah. at Taunton, yeah. So talk talk yeah. to us about that. And you you got a reasonable amount of coverage as well at the time because obviously people were keeping an eye on you. Obviously, it was mm. floating through to like households that are obviously well into their football that Taunton had gone pretty far in the FA Cup. So go on, tell us about that FA Cup run. It must have been hell of a good yeah. experience for you. It was because that was my first. That was the, my first year there. So um, all of a sudden, I'd gone from say youth football to to all of a sudden I was playing and playing in the FA Cup. So um, obviously at, at that level, you you go through the qualifying rounds. So we played um, the first qualifying round. Um, I think beat Tiverton after a replay, um, and then we had another the second qualifying round and the third qualifying round. And all of a sudden, you're, you're only a game from from the first round proper and we um, played Hemel Hempstead at home and we drew nil-nil, I think. Um, and then we had to go there on a Tuesday night, obviously up to Hemel Hempstead, who were doing quite well in the conference south. Um, we had no pressure on us. We weren't expected to win. And then um, we went 1-0 up after about 20 minutes and then we just defended the whole game. And and yeah, we were in the, in the FA Cup first round after that. Yeah, that's an incredible story. I'm right in saying as well, aren't I, Matty, that those early rounds, you say you like played Tiverton in the first round, you'd have probably played Tiverton on the Saturday and then the replay, because they need to get all the games done, would have been on a Tuesday or Wednesday night the following week. Yes, so it, the first qualifying round, the second qualifying round, you play 
if you draw on the Saturday, you play them on the Tuesday. Like it's that quick a turnaround. Is so um so yeah, there's no there's no time to to think about it. You're, you're straight in playing them again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then of course, like when you're at Taunton, you are it's a like semi semi professional contract. Is that right? Yeah, it'd be a semi professional contract. Yeah. So tell us how it works then, like because obviously you see all the stories about. I don't know, like you see Marine get to the third round of the FA or first round, whichever one it was, and they get on the TV and you hear about, um, like, I don't know, Dave Smith, the centre forward, and he does painting by day, but he goes and plays football for Marine in the evening. How, did, like, how seriously, I'm sure these lads take it seriously, of course, when you're at Taunton, like when you get, especially when you get to the first round of the FA Cup, why wouldn't you? Do you see like a bit more professionalism come into people naturally because they're like a little bit more of a spotlights on them? They've got into like a quite a deep round of the FA Cup or do you, does the manager like influence you to just do what it is that you've done well through the early rounds of the competition to get where you've got to? I think there's an element of both as in people have got jobs nine to five, Monday to Friday, just because you get to the FA Cup first round, that doesn't that doesn't change. So no. they're still working, they're still um, doing what they normally do. But obviously, as you go further up, people take it more seriously, and you're on TV, and there's naturally people want to do as best they can. But um, yeah, day to day, it won't change a lot of people's lives because their nine to five jobs is what pays their mortgages and, and pays all their bills. Yeah, definitely. So for yourself, mate. Um, when you were at Taunton before obviously your you established yourself you played really well obviously you got yourself like a really good reputation for Torquay to eventually come and like knock on the door for you what were you doing in those like days where you obviously didn't have to train um, like w- did you have a job or were you just sort of keeping yourself fit yeah so I was working at, um, at Goldenstones um, just at the leisure centre um, yeah yeah throughout the week and um and yeah, then then playing for for Taunton. Um, so again, like yeah. you 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 naturally have a good influence of your dad, like obviously wanting you to stay fit and stuff. Do you think that's given yeah. you a bit of a give, given you a bit of a boost as regards to how fit you are, and obviously physically you have a advantage <laughs> as well because you've had somebody influencing you throughout all of your life of like how to get stronger, how to be fitter, how to be more mobile. Is that like, do you think that's given you a little bit of a head start over some people? I think so. I'm probably lucky because my dad's job and being around obviously like gyms and everything, I always had access to everything. I was quite, um, quite lucky in that, that respect. And I suppose just because you grow up around it, you just, you take, take it on board and it just becomes a bit of a lifestyle really. So, so yeah. Well, I can imagine especially during that FA Cup run, you're probably sat at the desk or wherever it is in Golden Stones and all you can think about is that first round, like, tie on the horizon. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was really, really good for me. It was a good experience because I, I was young. It was being thrown into the FA Cup first round and we got Barrow. It was National League at the, at the time. Um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it, was, it was a good experience for me. And then when the, like, obviously I'm sure there's, some element of uh, pride when you're playing even in the fourth qualifying round because some big teams get chucked into that point of the competition. But to get Barrow in that first round of the FA Cup, did you feel when you walked out onto the pitch and you know that it's the first round of the FA Cup, obviously there's you have those dreams of 
Do we make it to the second round? Do we get a League Two, League One team? But going out and walking out against Barrow must have been like pretty special for you, mate. Yeah, so when we played Barrow, um, we were home. And um, yeah, it was a great occasion for the town and, and for everyone involved. And then we drew the game. So uh, the draws on the Monday, so we drew on the Saturday. Um, then we found out we'd have, we'd have got uh, Bristol Rovers away. Wow. If we'd... Um, if we if we won the replay, but um, yeah, on, on the Tuesday we went up to up to Barrow, and I think it was the Monday we went up to Barrow, but then played on the Tuesday, and um, unfortunately we lost. But um, so yeah, we knew who we were going to play in the next round, but um, that was it was good for everyone. It was it was good for the town, and it probably helps get Taunton to where they are now. Yeah, of course, because the like even at that level of the competition, you're getting prize money and gate money like I'm sure it must have been a sellout for that first round at home so yeah um, amazing stuff so after your experience at Taunton which obviously you must have impressed the people coming to watch you of I'm sure when you think about a team like Torquay and even Yeovil and all of the local southwest teams they must be keeping half an eye on those southern leagues to see what young players are coming up and like playing well at that standard because I guess that gives you a good footing as to making the next step up into the next step steps up of football Torquay was the opportunity that came about for you mate when mm. when did that happen and that must have been a massive moment for you yeah so towards the end of my uh last season at um Taunton, I was I was doing quite well and I was um I scored quite a few goals and you start hearing that a couple of clubs have, have come down and watched you and um I went down to Torquay the end of that season um, just to, uh, to train a little bit and to uh, do a few sessions. Um, done the right, and then I, I finished the, the season with with Taunton, and then um, yeah, signed for Torquay in the summer. How did that go down? Because as we've spoken about, you didn't necessarily have a leg up that you hear some youngsters get into the professional game you've almost done it the hard way you've been to a center of excellence that's closed down you've gone into chard under 18s under the floodlights like again like you say it's not necessarily academy standard football and then you've gone to taunton showed your showed your capabilities and then got the nod at torquay that must be a big moment for you personally yeah it was um it was a nice feeling because you feel that you've you hadn't achieved anything. I was only 21, but it was. I felt like I made my next next step um, in the game, and I'd, I I was progressing to where where I wanted to go. Yeah, and of course there was some um, developmental seasons at, for you at Torquay. Am I right? So, like, what was the case? What was the scenario for you? Did they give you a one year contract straight away? Was it a two year contract? Or yeah. So initially, I got a one year contract. Um, so yeah, my first contract at Torquay was just for the year. Um, and yeah, and then I've done, done reasonably well and then, um, got a, got a second year as well. Yeah. Amazing. And, um, again, research may be right or wrong, a loan move to Bath in that little period of time. In the, in the second year, um, I went to Bath for which it was a game. Um, oh, wow. it to be, yeah. Um, that was in my second year and then I went straight back to Torquay. Yeah. 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 Of course. And then. I, I say like earlier in regards to um, you having some real highs and lows. Of course, we've mentioned one of the highs already is, well, low, your centre of excellence shuts down. High, 
first round of the FA Cup with Taunton Town, which is like an amazing achievement for the town and the football club. And like you say, it's given them a bit of a leg up probably financially for, I don't know whether the money's still there that's like keeping them afloat. But like you say, they've done really well off the back of that. And then for you, when you do break into the first team properly at Torquay, you must have had so much momentum behind you that almost at the time you were riding the crest of a wave. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I was. Um, so I came in and I wasn't, um, the first five or six games, I wasn't wasn't really around it. And I, you, you start questioning, am I going to get a chance? And then there was a game um, away at Woking um, and three of the midfielders just got, got injured, which was obviously bad for them. And um, they were like long-term two, three-month injuries. And then um, next thing I know, I was, I was playing. So I made my um, debut against Harrogate. And um, from then on, I, I played the next 20, 25 games on the bounce and um, got player of the month for the league. And yeah, so it was a it was a quick, quick rise. Yeah, definitely. I saw. And again, that's one of the highs that I'm going to like pick up on. You managed to score a few goals in that 25 mm. game period that you you played in, like scoring those goals for a big club like Torquay must have felt pretty special for you mate do you remember your first one talk us about it talk to us about it I do yeah I do it was um against file and it was probably my fifth or no, fourth or fifth start I think and the week before I hit the bar and I, you kind of feel yourself you like you're getting closer and um yeah it was it was good time as well the game was 1-1 it was like the 94th minute or 93rd 94th minute and um the ball came in I just remember heading it in but yeah, it was a nice time to score my first goal, getting a last-minute winner. So yeah. yeah, for sure. And those moments, like of course, I've I've only dream about scoring in front of a crowd of people. Does it? Do you go into like a head rush? Is it a head rush? Like what happens? Like, how do you feel? I think any goal you is it gives you a feeling that's that difficult to describe. But um, yeah, scoring my first goal um, in the last minute. Yeah, it was a. It was a nice feeling, and then like celebrating with the fans and stuff. Yeah, it was it was good. Do you, do you uh, remember the celebration? I'm intrigued to ask what what what, what happened. Was it an arm up? <laughs> was it arms out? Was it <laughs> sliding no, in the corner? Was, I think it was an knee slide into the fans. Oh uh, man, what I yes. remember. Yeah. Nailed it then. First goal professionally has to be a knee slide, right? Yeah. So from then, um, was that the the game where it was a 25 game spin? Uh, was that the season that Torquay ended up into the playoffs? And no, so that was the year before. That was the um, the year that was cut by COVID. Oh, um, okay. So it was it was a shame for me personally because um, obviously you want to finish your first full after the first full season in, in professional football, but obviously yeah. COVID came in and um, then put a bit of a damper on that. Yeah, of course. And then um, what I will like you worked pretty closely with. Gary Johnson, of course, a manager of unbelievable experience and unbelievable successes. Um, what was he like as a manager? Like, what sort of things can you tell us about Gary Johnson that people don't already know, if you know what I mean? Yeah, he was good. He was, um, he gave me my first, obviously my first chance and my opportunity to, he gave me a platform. So uh, I'm grateful for that. And yeah, he was, he was demanding every, every day was, was tough and he wanted wanted to get the best out of players but he wanted to to improve players and I'm sure different players have different opinions of him but personally yeah he was he was good for me he 
he got out, got a lot out of me. So um, yeah, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, amazing. So when Torquay did get to that playoff final, mate, I have to speak to you about it because it's such a like one of those moments that, of course, you will probably remember forever for like right or wrong reasons. Um, you it went to like it was an unbelievable game. I remember watching it on the TV. Obviously, um, spoken to you in the gym about coming to, onto the podcast, and it was a while ago now because. The gym had reopened after COVID and obviously I, was, I spoke to you about coming on and then Torquay made the playoff final. And uh, who I can't even remember who it was against, but it was against like a re- like a big profile team. Who was it against? Do you remember? It was against Hartlepool. Hartlepool, that's right. Yeah, and uh, the Torquay goalkeeper scored an injury time equaliser, right? Yeah, um, he does. Header from a, from a long a corner or a long throw in to take it to extra time and the game went to penalties and it literally went on and on and on and on and unfortunately for yourself you stepped up and clipped the outside of the post mate right massive, yeah he tipped onto the bar yeah so yeah massive it was, good, it was a good save but yeah massive yeah. moment um and you talk about the elation of scoring that injury time winner if you imagine that as a feeling and compare that moment of missing the penalty, like, is it, I mean, it's an obvious question really, but it must've been just such a contrast of uh, how, how do you deal with that personally? It was, it was tough because it's the whole, the whole build up as in we, we'd had a good season and um, we beat, beat Notts County in the semis and we were, we were in a really good place. And then obviously we went, went up the, the day before and, um, you're you're excited. You've got a little bit of nerves, but you're you're excited because these are the games you want to play it. Um, and I remember we watched a a video of all all like the players, like friends and families and girlfriends and wives, like wishing wishing everyone all, all the best and good luck and saying how proud they were. Um, yeah, we went to the game and obviously, as you as you know, the game was it was unbelievable and we saw things that that. You, you won't see for a while. The keeper scoring the last minute, and um, yeah, then it went to penalties, and unfortunately, it came to me, and he just made a good save, and it's hit the bar. So, like you said about your question, it was from the last minute goal to then to then hitting the bar. Yeah, it was it was chalk chalk and cheese. Really, it was you, you can't really explain it. I was just you feel you've let everyone down, but but football it moves on, and you have to get on with it. But yeah, and that was a, a really horrible feeling. I've got to ask, like, it's quite a well-known thing now for, I think you saw, like, for me, the the disappointment of the FA Cup final with Mason Mount missing the penalty. And all you see straight away is the teammates going to the player that's missed that crucial penalty to, like, basically show their support. Um, you see that on the TV. And I saw that the lads with you were brilliant straight away, like, literally round you, like, supporting you, like, don't worry about it, mate. And don't get me wrong, like all those don't worry about it, mates, for the first 24 hours probably don't mean nothing yeah. because you're you're thinking about it. What could you have done differently, et cetera, et cetera. But how good were your teammates at the time and how good were your family at the time as well? Yeah, they were they were brilliant. Um, we had a really tight-knit group of talking and everyone got on so well and they're all like good friends and people you, I, I speak to now and... Yeah, like you said, when they they're going, oh, don't worry, like it's it's fine. You know, it's it, it doesn't feel like that, and it's it's in one ear out the other. But um, yeah, it was hard, and I I got phone calls like throughout the week after, and um, 
just like checking in and messages and stuff and to be fair it was hard because I just did you don't really want to talk to anyone um that was the same with like my family that they put your arm around you and um like my girlfriend was like, oh, like it's all right and that but you just you just did a bad mood and what, what and anyone can't they can't say anything that's going to make you feel better because you can't change it um but like you say that's that's football and that's that's why we play it for the for the highs and the lows and then yeah absolutely mate and i can only i'm the well no i can't even like there's no way in hell that i could relate to anything like that um but again, you just got to stay in your lane and think about like any penalty miss or any big mistake I've made in the game. You feel bad enough, like Yeovil Premier Division, let alone doing it National League playoff final. But again, you you made the um, massive jump of stepping in for three or four players that got injured. You made such a massive impact. You scored goals in the Vanarama National League. You won Vanarama National Player of the Month. And then for some reason or another that penalty miss happens, the new season starts and then Matty Buse finds himself outside of the team. How does a player deal with that? Like, because it's, it, again, it must be tough to, you've got to think like, well, I've done this right. So what's happening now? Yeah. Like, is, is that how it kind of goes? What, in terms of finding a new club? Well, as in, how do you, how do you deal with, how do you cope with thinking that you've almost established yourself as you say you played 25 games on the bounce mm. right if I think of that from a football manager terms I'm thinking you're a regular starter slash important player right yeah and then next season comes around Torquay probably signed what five or six players in the summer and yeah. then the next thing you know you're back on the bench waiting for another opportunity yeah I think that's just it's part of football isn't it you only as you have to perform every game and um you can play all the games you want, but if you, the minute you have a dip in form, there's someone there waiting to take your place, and vice versa. If I'm on the bench and someone has a bad game, you're you're there ready to to take their place, and that's probably what brings the best out of players. But it is difficult. It's it's not easy watching watching games and um, not being involved and being on the bench. But that's probably where the mentality comes in um, for football and what makes top players at the top for so long. So what happens at that level of football, Matty? Do you have a chat with the gaffer? Did you knock on Gary's door and say, gaffer, why am I not playing? Or gaffer, I'm not happy. Or did you get a call from Weldstone where you ended up next, who basically offered you an opportunity? Yeah, so um, when you're not playing in that, um, obviously Gary was he was pretty honest, to be fair. He'd say you're not playing and he'd, he'd give you a reason. He'd go... You done well that week. You stayed in the team. You didn't do so so well that week, and I'm taking you out. But um, but yeah, then I got a phone call from from Willstone. Um, yeah, and they they were really really keen to get me in. So um, yeah, it was that was my next step really. That's got to be tough as well because you are based in Yeovil. You've had those highs at Torquay. Obviously, yeah, it's a bit of a drive, of course, Torquay but you kind of base yourself down there for your training sessions, go to games, and then you know that almost like a halfway point, right? Because a lot of the games mm. in the Vanarama League are London-based or around the Southwest, yeah. and it doesn't feel too bad. But going down the M3 every day for, like, training, obviously, Worldstone um, are one of, the, one of the only semi-pro teams in the Vanarama League. Yeah, so they were, I think, last year, one of two, I think, that were part-time. Um so yeah, it was only go down a couple of times a week, but um, yeah, like you say, it's still a still a long trip. 
and uh, and I mean, look, like again, no disrespect to Worldstone at all, but when when we talk about that now, I can see in your purse like the way that you're speaking about it, it's more of a oh yeah, like the drive down the M3, it wasn't that great. So that can that can that must have had an influence on the way you were playing, the way you were training, like your mentality. Talk to us about that, mate. Uh, yeah, I think it it become a long. You you professionally you do things right away from away from training. So I wasn't um, training there full time, but I was doing a lot of stuff away from it. Like when I saw you in the gym and stuff. But um, like I say, it takes a lot out of you. you. Do it properly. I was leaving for Saturday games. I was leaving in the morning. I was going down there, like getting a bit of food down there and stuff. But um, it probably does take away an element of of your time and. Um, you're probably not as fresh as you would be as going up the night before or the 20 minute uh, journey to the ground. But um, but yeah, it was during the winter kind of months when it's dark and that is it's hard because obviously they train in the evening. Yeah, yeah, and like you say, again, another element where your mentality can have an influence. And of course, you stayed there. And then if you was to maybe not summarize, but talk to us about your little spell at Worldstone, was it? Good memories, bad memories, mediocre memories. Yeah, probably mixed. Like my performances were were good. To be fair, I was um, performed quite well. I scored um, a couple goals, and yeah, my performance levels were okay. And it was a good group of lads. Like, but probably from going from Torquay to there, it was it was just different. I was training every day. Then I was at Willstone, like training at school in the evening. Like waiting for kids get off the pitch and um yeah it was it was it was different yeah man I can imagine and then you've almost gone full circle it's funny how things happen Weymouth were the first club that offered you like an opportunity in regards to a like semi-professional professional contract at the start of your career and then you've like been to the first round of the FA Cup you've been to the Vanarama National playoff final you've done your trips up the M3 now you find yourself back at Weymouth. What are you expecting from this next stint in your career, mate? Um, so, yeah, I went there for the last, I think it was 10 or 12 games of last season. It was just an opportunity for me to to come and play. So I agreed with Willstone that um, we'd mutually like, end my contract. Um, then the next day I got a phone call from from the Weymouth manager and he said, like, we want to get you in and we want to come and want you to come and play and with it being... 40 minutes away um it was perfect they had some um they were they were struggling they were um down the bottom but the manager said he really wants me in so so it was important for me to come in and play and um and put in some good performances really um may i think we are close to wrapping up your podcast but i do want to ask for mm-hmm. you are we going to see the development of Matty Buse to play football league football? Is that the goal? Yeah, that's 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 my goal is playing the league. So, um, yeah, if I can um, perform well and have get a good season under my belt, then yeah, that's every every footballer's dreams to play as hard as they can. So that's the next next step for me would be in um, the leagues above. Amazing, mate. We have the final part of the podcast, mate. I'm sure you've. Hopefully you've listened to this before. It's the 11 questions to finish. Okay. It's uh, a quick fire uh, question and answer. 11 questions. You answer them as quickly as possible and get entered into the hat. If your time is the quickest, you will mm-hmm. win a Grassroots Guy t-shirt, mate. So lucky you. Uh, you. Are you up for that? Yeah, we'll give it a bash. 
Sweet. Let's uh, let's get the questions ready to go. Matty Buse, your 11 questions to finish starts in three, two, one. Matty, what is your Tesco meal deal choice? Well, uh, chicken wrap, um, little fruit pot of mango and uh, orange speakers. Nice. Best football memory? Uh, score my first golf talkie. Who was your sporting hero? Uh, uh, Gerard. Favourite pair of boots? Uh, the black and red Adidas Predators. Yeah, nice. Go-to music choice? Oh, uh, don't mind anything. Anything. Like, Top anything. 40. Uh, what's your favourite alcoholic drink? Oh, uh, probably a Thatcher's. Uh, best leader, captain, or manager you've played with or been managed by? Uh, I'll go with Captain Asel. Who was your most famous opposition? Could be player or team. Uh, I played against Ethan Ampadu as a kid, so yeah, probably him. Uh, Advice you would like to have given yourself at 18, not that long ago? Oh, yeah. um, Just stay level-headed and grounded. You definitely are that, mate. Uh, Have you or do you have any pre-match habits? Uh... That just right boot always goes on first, right shin pad always first. That's uh, so common. That's a habit. Matty, your time is 1 minute 32, which actually, mate, isn't too bad. But Josh uh, Staunton, uh, Staunton is the current winner, mate, one, 1 minute 10. But to be fair, mate, he's done all right with that. That's all right, be, yeah. It's not far yeah, so good, good attempt. Mate, <laughs> um, your experience on the Grassroots Guy podcast is coming to an end. How have you found your time on the show? Yeah, I've enjoyed it. It's been, been nice to... Um, Go back through my, my career. Um, Matty, if people want to come and find you and find out a little bit more about you on social media, where can they come and find you if you want them to? Instagram is underscore Matt Buse and Twitter's Matt underscore Buse, I think. Perfect. <laughs> so if you want to come and find me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, you can find me at the Grassroots Guy podcast. Uh, if you have any questions for the podcast, you can send them to grassrootsguypod at gmail.com. If you would like to leave a five-star review, you can drop it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It does go a long, long way to helping out the show. You have been listening to Grassroots Guy podcast, episode number 57 with Matthew Buse and Harry Purdy. I'll see you here for a new episode every Friday. Take care. <laughs>